Happy Friday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. I'm Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. A very wrestling-heavy Friday edition of the program. We are going to be joined in a matter of moments by Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy and WrestleTalk TV to get ready for AEW... AEW Double or Nothing coming up on Sunday on pay-per-view. So we're going to have a full preview of that and a whole lot more on the show today. Once again, if you have any comments on the program, send them my way on Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimePK. Now on YouTube, PrimetimeKlein1, the number one at the end, uh, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music you were listening to was provided by Wasted Talent. They have X's in their names where the in their name where the A's would be. You can also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So we'll save the AEW stuff for the end. Want to get into what we saw from the UFC last weekend as Rob Font picks up a big win over Cody Garbrandt. And I, I think that this is a good thing that there are a couple of different potential challengers, but I do think that Rob Font is in a weird holding pattern right now. You have Corey Sandhagen, who still has a fight to do with TJ Dillashaw. You have Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan, who have their situation that needs to get figured out. So Rob Font's just in a weird holding pattern right now. And he said on Saturday night that he would be okay with an interim belt. And th this is not what interim belts are for. Four. And the UFC kind of got into a pattern with that a while ago where it felt like number one contender fights were just interim championship bouts, which in one sense, you get more guys championship money when it comes to sponsorships and stuff like that. So on one hand, I understand it a little bit, but I think it can be overdone. And I think this would be a case of overdoing it. Like you have the the champion and challenger who are going to do that fight later on this year, it's not because of injury or anything like that. It's just they, they had a controversial finish to their fight that doesn't require an interim championship. You can just have Rob Font fight Corey Sandhagen after he fights TJ Dillashaw or just have Font fight the winner of that fight and then the winner of that bout is the number one contender. They don't have to be the interim bantamweight champion. You don't need more championships in the UFC right now. But Font is... Whatever championship conversation you want to have at Bantamweight, whether it be for a interim championship or whether it be for the legitimate championship, Rob Font is in that conversation and he has done a very good job of working his way into that and he kind of highlights it with a dominant performance over Cody Garbrandt, who's in trouble. Uh, he's lost four of his last five. A, a big name based off of a big feud that he has with TJ Dillashaw, but something's happened and the wheels have just absolutely fallen off. I don't know if losing to Dillashaw was a humbling experience for him or what it was, but something ain't right with this dude since that point. And I I don't know where he goes from here. Like, I, I, I do not really fancy a matchup with him and any of the real contenders in that division. So does he get a get right fight? Does he get cut? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weird spot. Cause you have a guy who has a pretty big name, but not the biggest of names and nowhere really for him to go. Like four of his last five, something has really, really changed. And I do wonder for someone who is so intense, if the TJ Dillashaw saga, if, if we're going to look back on that and both guys come away from it, looking worse off, than when they went in. Um, you have a couple big fights, but Garbrandt 
just fight wise has lost something and TJ Dillashaw obviously with the uh, USADA tests after doesn't come out of that thing smelling like roses either but either way uh, some interesting times in that division maybe if Dillashaw loses his next fight you, you run that fight back one more time Carlos Barza is going to be the next title challenger to Rose Namunas' championship and it's it's been quite the road back for Carla Esparza, and you like you like to see this, and I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times already. Just liking to see some, liking seeing someone. Uh, it's a weird way of putting all of that, but you like to see someone deal with adversity in their career and work their way back from it. She becomes the first ever uh, women's strawweight champion in UFC history with the, the win coming off of the Ultimate Fighter and then immediately immediately loses it to Ioana. And that obviously is going to wear on you. She picks up a win, but then a loss again. And after the, the Ronda Marcos loss, it kind of felt like, oh, she's just she's just gonna be another girl in this division. Like she's just gonna she's just gonna be there. She's just gonna be another fighter. She's just gonna be another whatever. Um picks up a couple of wins and then loses a couple in a row. And the the Tatiana Suarez fight is kind of a okay, Tatiana Suarez is a legit real deal in this weight class. And I kind of thought that that would be the time for Carlos Barza to kind of fade away into that dark night. But she picks up a couple of big wins and starting to work her way through the division again. Alexa Grasso is a name. Beats her in her hometown, in or in her home country anyway, in Mexico City. She beats Michelle Watterson. And then she beats Marina Rodriguez. And now this win, this weekend, th this is having adversity in your career, dealing with it, Maybe it's, you're not going to deal with it right away, but dealing with it and coming out better on the other side. I love to see stories like that, and I love to see when fighters are able to deal with that. So now, that leads us to a rematch, and a very intriguing rematch, as she is going to fight Rose Namajunas, probably. That that would be my assumption, that they're going to have a, a rematch. The next UFC strawweight championship fight will be a rematch from the first one, and I, I still think Rose Namajunas ends up getting the victory in this one. I, I think they, they come out of this needing a third, potentially, because Rose Namajunas, uh, she has just improved so much since coming off of that show. And Carla Esparza is very good at what she does. And picking up a, a TKO victory in this last bout, her first finish during this five-fight win streak, it's, it's showing a progression in her style, and that is a good thing. It ain't enough, though. I, I think Rose Namajunas probably wins that, but Carla Esparza, even if I do not favor her against the champion, that does not make her an unworthy title challenger. Jack Hermanson getting a monkey off of his back. We talked about, again, a couple of fighters dealing with adversity really for the first time in their careers with... Uh, Jack Hermanson taking on Shabazian, and Hermanson's able to get the job done. I, I don't think this all of a sudden rockets him into title challenger status. I think there's more of that to come, but an important win for Hermanson and for Shabazian. It'll be interesting now to see how he bounces back from a couple of setbacks, because this is another one of those. This is definitely a setback for Shabazian. We will see how he handles that. One of the big stories in MMA this week is we have a rare weekend off from the Ultimate Fighting Championship, but we got a couple announcements, and the main one is Yair Rodriguez taking on Max Holloway in July. Rodriguez had a ton of hype around him, but has not fought since 2019, and the circumstances around that have been rather interesting, whether it be USADA or he was released at one point and then re-signed, and it, it was, well, we'll get into more of that as we get closer to the fight in July, but... 
it seems like a strange follow-up to Max Holloway's dominant performance at the beginning of the year to now fight a guy who hasn't fought in forever. So we will see what Max Holloway is able to do here with this fight, but it's going to be an exciting fight. And I do think that it does more for Yair than it does for Holloway. Like it gets Rodriguez right back in that championship level spotlight. And I think that's probably... That's probably what they're looking for. Like the one of the sayings in wrestling is, if if you want people to think a guy's a main eventer, put him in the main event. And that's kind of what you're you're doing here with Yara Rodriguez. It's like if, if if you want to think if you want people to think of him on Max Holloway's level, put him in there with Max Holloway. I I think Holloway probably demolishes the kid, but we also haven't seen this creative striker in a year and a half. By the time that fight rolls around, it'll be interesting to see what steps he has made in his career. In that time, in the WWE, the biggest story of the week, Adnan Verk, no longer the main play-by-play voice for Monday Night Raw. Um, he cited travel issues and, and everything like that as just too much on, on his family. And when you look at all the other things that Adnan had going on, it, it always seemed like a, a, a the potential that he was going to be stretched too thin. I'd said a couple of times I thought that if they let him be him. It could be a very interesting fit in the world of entertainment for Adnan Verk, but he it felt like he was kind of hitting a stride a little bit and kind of finding his voice, and I thought he could have done more of that, but we, we will never know, I suppose. The addition of Jimmy Smith seems like a bit of a panic move, and I think it just kind of highlights, and this could be something for maybe a bit more long form down the line. The WWE has done a real piss poor job of developing announcers in the last forever. Like you have Michael Cole, He's obviously the voice of the WWE now, and apparently no one works harder than that dude, and he has done a very good job of putting himself in that position. And aside from that, like Jonathan Coachman has been able to go to bigger and brighter things, but he never figured out the, or he never got it on the the play-by-play wrestling side of things. Same thing with Todd Grisham, he's doing championship-level boxing, but... In the WWE, he never really ascended beyond a certain point. And now you're just trying to get people with names in. And like they they released Tom Phillips. And I, I thought he was absolutely fine in, in his role. But they it almost feels like, to, to steal a sports analogy, it almost feels like Vince McMahon thinks he's Kyle Shanahan and can just do this, or Bill Belichick, and can just do this with any announcer. It, it doesn't matter what their experience level is, he can coach them through anything. And that that's just, that is just not the case. And you, you look at the guys in their system right now, like it's just been Tom Phillips for forever and Vic Joseph hanging around and Vic Joseph getting an opportunity he probably wasn't ready for and Tom Phillips getting bumped from an opportunity he probably was ready for. I, I don't understand what the WWE is doing with their announcers right now, but I think this really highlights how poor a job they have done with developing their announcers over the last little bit. All right, the big story of the weekend, whether it comes to professional wrestling or mixed martial arts, is going to be AEW, double or nothing. I did not anticipate having this much trouble saying that. That's coming up on Sunday. We will have a full breakdown with Stephanie Chase after you hear a little bit from Waste the Talent.
The music for every episode of Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram with X's where the A's would be and check out their new song Drowning wherever you listen to music. AEW's Double or Nothing comes this weekend on pay-per-view. Really excited for the show and really excited to break it down with Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy and Russell Talk TV. Stephanie, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. It's it's a fun time to, to have AEW doing what they're doing. Um, the, the pay-per-view, I, I think, is going to be a lot of fun and, and happy to break it down. Uh, let's get right into it. You, your excitement level for AEW's Double or Nothing this weekend. I know you've done a lot leading up to it to, to preview this mm-hmm. show. So obviously, this is a show that you have at least a little bit of an anticipation level for. Yeah, absolutely. I think my excitement level is probably at a nine because I don't like it to go to a 10 until we actually get to the pay-per-view. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, about a nine. It's a really, really good card. Um, I think that there is a lot of exciting matches on it. And yeah, I'm just, I think AEW, they usually deliver on the pay-per-views. And I think this will be another great one. Yeah, there have been very few disappointments on pay-per-view for AEW. And this one built around the, the stadium stampede. And I I admittedly was a little critical of going to, to stadium stampede so quickly after Blood and Guts. I, I kind of thought it took away from Blood and Guts a little bit. I'm still excited to see what the match looks like. But from a, a story perspective, do, do you feel like this is rushed or, or do you think I'm a little out to lunch on that? No, I totally understand where you're coming from. When they did the Blood and Guts match, um, I never would have thought Stadium Stampede was next at all because the Blood and Guts match was so, it's such a brutal match. And with how it ended as well, I thought we were probably going to um, Jericho and MJF or even Sammy and MJF um, before he gets to Jericho. So I was very surprised that they did another Stadium Stampede. But then I guess when they put the, inner circle stipulation on there I think that kind of justified it a bit more because if you can't you know go for a more brutal match maybe go for a higher stipulation so yeah I was surprised but they've ended up selling me on it yeah it's uh, and again I, I think that this is one of those I think the match is going to be good and I think the stipulation is, is interesting I, I think part of it is I'm being selfish because I feel like there was a summer's worth of awesome stuff that we could have got from MJF and Sammy like you said even uh, potentially I, I thought we could have had a, a singles run what was Santana against MJF like I thought there was a number of different things we could have got to so really really I'm just being selfish Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's still potential for all that afterwards. Um, right. I'd love to know, like, the, the truth of the thinking of why they went for Stadium Stampede. Is it because, you know, Double or Nothing was coming and that's going to be their signature match? I think that might have played into it a little bit. But, yeah, I hope this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, it, it has potential to be the end for the inner circle that they were introduced on the basically the very first night of AEW Dynamite. The the stipulation is if they lose, the the inner circle is done. Uh, I, I guess I'm I'm coaxing you into a prediction right away here. But uh, do, do you think that uh, this is the last we see of the inner circle? Are we in the final hours of the inner circle's existence on this planet? Oh my gosh, I've been getting so upset about this the past couple of days because. <laughs> 
you know, people keep asking me this and I'm a huge inner circle fan. And the, the last thing I want is to see the inner circle split up. I don't think they're splitting up, but literally everyone, friends, colleagues, random people on Twitter have told me that they're splitting up. And I just get really <laughs> upset. <laughs> I really don't want it to happen. I think they're so great. Um, I like, I can't see it happening and everyone keeps telling me it's happening and I can't even get on board with where they're coming from. I'm, I'm, to me, this is cut and dry. Like, yeah, inner circle are winning, of course, with that stipulation. And everyone's just like, no, you need to prepare yourself. You need to get ready for this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> need like some emotional counseling or something to, to just work through. Okay, this might, I, yeah. I'm personally, I'm with you. I don't want to see them split up. I, I think they are fantastic together. And, and I think a baby face run with those guys lasting as long as the heel run did. I think that would be an absolute blast. So I, again, I'm being selfish, but I, I'm with you. I don't want this to, I don't want this to end for them. I just, I, I really can't see it. I, what would Jake Hager do if they end it? Like that's right. a serious question. You know, what would Jake Hager do? He seems to be having the happiest moment of his life right now. And to take that away from him is just so sad. <laughs> I just can't, can't. <laughs> Um, other matches on this card, the AEW world title on the line, Kenny Omega against Pac and Orange Cassidy. Uh, another one where it, it just kind of came out of nowhere, but this is something that I really like about AEW compared to other wrestling promotions, we will say. Um, <laughs> but for, for AEW, because wins and losses are so important that you, you just, you can heat up pack in a couple of weeks and okay, well, he's a title challenger now. Like I, I think because they put importance on the results, it, it makes it so you, you can build up a title challenger in a couple of weeks. I think this match has the potential for, for match of the year. Uh, what did you think of the way we got to this particular bout and the, the bout that we're going to see on Sunday? Oh, that's a heavy uh, prediction there, match of the year caliber. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a very good match. As far as how we got to it, I felt like when we when this pay-per-view was coming together, um, I do think the last couple of months, I've really enjoyed Kenny being the belt collector and mm -hmm. everything that goes into that. But at the same time, I think it's been a really hard storyline to book because the guy cannot lose till it's the right time. Um, and I think that's presented a lot of problems with giving him challengers. So when we were going into this pay-per-view before we had a card, I was saying that I felt like Kenny's match would be um, a match where, you know, he was definitely going to win. It wasn't going to be a big challenger or anything like that. I actually predicted Orange Cassidy to be his challenger. And I predicted the pay-per-view to be headlined by something with Jericho in it, whether it was MJF or a faction match. So I think that they've done well to, yeah, they have, they they can heat up pack with the way they've done the booking. I think he's kind of felt like a little bit of a third wheel though, because there's been so much focus on Orange Cassidy, but I think it's going to be a good match. It will probably surprise people with how good it is, but really from a storyline perspective, um, it's not one that grabs me because right. I think that Kenny's just this whole belt collector storyline Awesome storyline, very hard to book, um, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and like they, they were going so hard with the uh, the Moxley and the Kingston stuff. And it's like they're they're attacking RVs, and one guy kind of exploded a little bit. And like they, they have <laughs> all of these different things going on with them. And then, uh, by the way, we're going with Pack and Orange Cassidy. It's like, wait, what? 
They weren't, you were just, huh? Like it, it felt, it felt just out yeah. of nowhere to me. That's the problem though. Like Moxley, he, he's now lost twice to Kenny. He can't, he can't lose again. And, but then you still kind of, he had such unfinished business. Um, so it's just been so hard to get Kenny any kind of challenger that you could actually see taking that belt off him because I don't think that belt's coming off him till at the earliest um, uh, Fighter Fest and if not Fighter Fest at uh, Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a while, I think, um, mm -hmm. especially doing this whole belt collector thing, like you said, um, just to get any of the belts off of him, uh, I think is going to be a little bit tricky. Like, what do they do in Impact and all of that? So um, it's fun to see the best wrestler in the world kind of get that that kind of shine. But you're right. the A gimmick where no one can beat you, it's a little bit difficult to come out of that one. <laughs> it really, really is because you just feel like you just can't give him your, your best challengers, can you? Because then he's going to beat them and then they look bad. And it's, it's a, such a hard one to book yeah. really like, and with the impact one, he, he doesn't really have any credible challengers over there either. Right. Yeah. It, it's, and like, I, I'm excited for him against uh, whatever Andrade's calling himself in triple a, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a weird one, but I did, I did kind of like some of the stuff with, with Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And now they've transitioned over into a, a feud with the young bucks. If we didn't have stadium stampede, I, I think this could be something that go that, that could have made evented the show for the, the world tag team championships. Um, I I've loved the, the young bucks transform transformation into to heels. What have you made of this tag? team build and what are you looking for from the, the tag team title match on Sunday yeah I have I have loved the team of Moxley and Kingston so much I love them as rivals and I love them as friends reunited now it's so they just work together so well um in in both settings and it's just been great I think that the Young Bucks heel turn they did really well with it especially the past couple of weeks they really seem to come into it and they're always a bit heelish anyway but they've really really embraced it now and they're very entertaining but I think that they're gonna lose the titles on Sunday I think that we're mm. gonna get Moxie and Kingston as tag champions nice yeah that, that would be I I have no idea where they're going to go on this one I, I was just thinking about like predictions or whatever I was like I, I couldn't come up with one for for this one I, I could see it going either way I, I I'm I'm with you I, I think this is great and I think it really does feel with, with Kingston and Moxley like every promo they do they just say okay you guys have 45 seconds please don't swear too much and just go <laughs> like it, it it really feels like we're just hanging out with them they just happen to have the camera in front of them yeah they're they're so incredibly cool but they're so incredibly um real as well like they don't seem like they're doing promos ever they just are two friends talking having fun and they're just they're great but i think that the bucks as far as the whole elite storyline goes and kenny's woven into that as well to me it makes the most sense for the bucks to be the first people in that group to actually lose their belts, especially because you've got the Good Brothers there as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not totally sold on the fact that the Good Brothers really want the Young Bucks there. So I think it'd be interesting to see the Bucks lose those titles and then maybe the Good Brothers be the ones to bring them back to the Elite. Okay, nice. Yeah, and, and add some... Um add a bit of dissension into that group. I think that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am all for more good brothers. I, I've kind of been 
I don't want to say underwhelmed because I, I think they're entertaining and promos and stuff, but I want to see actual matches of them on, on AEW Dynamite now. Like I, I, I want to see them be a little bit more involved coming out of this pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel that much like with Kenny being hard to book, the Young Bucks' tag champions have been kind of hard to book as well because I think the contenders everyone wants is probably the Good Brothers, but yeah. they're in the same faction. But I think once the belts are off them, then we could see the Good Brothers thrown into that mix more. Also, in terms of title matches on this show, uh, Hikaru Shida going up against Britt Baker for the Women's Championship. They've done a phenomenal job of building up Britt Baker coming off of the, the loss in the, uh, the, the lights out match. I, I, I kind of wish they focused on that loss a little bit more than they have, but either way, they, they've done a fantastic job of, of building her up as a challenger. And as far as Sheeta as a champion is concerned, I, I, I legitimately don't want her to lose because of the story they've been telling about how she's been a champion for a year and hasn't been able to perform as champion in front of a, a full arena yet. And it's like, oh, I want that for her though but I, I feel like a title change is coming and I'm, I, I'm legitimately going to have a poor emotional reaction to this. If Britt Baker wins the championship on Sunday. I know. Um, I, I love Britt Baker. Uh, I have to say, I think she's one of the best um, performers in AEW. just an incredible rise in everything she's done, but Sheeta, I do feel sorry for, I think she has been like an unsung hero of the pandemic. Really. She hasn't, got the credit she deserves for carrying that whole division on her back during this pandemic when you had people you know not able to come over you had people injured you had fans on twitter saying how bad the AEW women's division was and she does they're carrying it you know as a great champion so i really feel sorry for her. i think that um a lot more people you know credit moxley for being such a good pandemic champion but sheeta was awesome but unfortunately they've they've got someone there you know they've got like an austin type figure in brit that you just yeah. have to run with her and that's really unfortunate for sheena and i hope that she kind of after this all done gets the respect i think as a champion she wasn't the most um she wasn't the most like out there champion that's like the vocal point, I don't think she's going to be a well-remembered champion in this run. Um, she's just hasn't kind of a, attracted the attention that she should have um, in the way that someone like a Moxley has, but she deserves all the credit in the world for what she's done. And it's sad that her first match in front of a full crowd, she's going to lose, but <laughs> I can't see this going any other way than, than Britt Baker. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, a tear will be shed out here in Calgary when that happens. <laughs> um, also on this show, we, we get Sting and Darby Allen uh, against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And now I, I, I need to preface this by saying, uh, as we, we go in the Wayback Machine, back to 1998, a young Peter Klein dressing up as Wolfpack Sting for Halloween. So the, I, I have a long, proud history of being a huge Sting fan. I almost feel like we've seen too much Sting. Like it, it, he just feels like one of the guys now instead of this special legendary character. And I am, I am all for as much Sting as possible, but it, it almost feels like they've taken some of the specialness away from Sting. Um, are you with me on that one? Or, or is this another one I might be out to lunch on? I totally understand where you're coming from. I grew up a Sting fan as well. I loved uh, WCW Crow Sting so much. And um, I always... He was just a guy that I always felt 
really did not get the respect he deserved. I felt really sorry for him, especially when he turned up in, in WWE. Now that he's with AEW, I love it. I think he's in the right place. And I think that I very much enjoy the story that they told with him and Darby, this little father-son thing. It's nice to see Sting doing something like that and on TV. And I feel like the very fact that he's doing it, you know, he's agreed to this makes me think that he's happy, um, much happier than he's maybe been with his career in the past couple of years. And it's also something I never expected Sting to do because maybe this is me completely misjudging him, but looking at Sting, I wouldn't have thought he would be a guy that would have cared, you know, that much about wrestling to still want Mm. to do something like this at his age. I would have thought he'd be maybe more like a, I'll take a legends contract guy. And maybe that's because of how he started out, you know, as a bodybuilder in the eighties, hanging out with an ultimate warrior type. But I really think it's great to see Sting in AW. It puts a smile on my face every single time I see him. Um, And just really the problem with him is because he can't wrestle every week, we just have him out there with Darby or we have him talking. And I think that would be okay if he didn't look like Sting, like if he looked like a normal man and he was, you know, like MVP, right. where it kind of doesn't feel weird because he's just a man in a suit, but Sting's got, you know, the face paint and the outfit and everything. And uh, so you feel like maybe this guy should be doing something more. It's, you're kind of you've seen him too much because he looks so special and unique, but I have loved his time in AW and I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous for this match, to be honest. I'm nervous watching him and I hope he's okay. I hope he gets a really good hot tag and, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a couple singer splashes. And that's that's all mm-hmm. I'll need, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I I understand that there is a, a level of hypocrisy that I, I'm coming out with this because I get excited every time he's on TV. And then at the end, it's mm-hmm. are we seeing too much of him? Like maybe, maybe I'm not being selfish enough now with, with this thing one after I was so selfish with, with everything involved. Um <laughs> there's there is a lot on the show, and there's been a lot with AEW, but it, it seems like we're going to be getting more as we kind of transition bigger picture now with AEW. Um, they are adding a, a third hour of television coming up in August. Uh, that third hour will be on Friday, not just tacked on to Dynamite, which thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and moving to TBS in 2022, which I, I don't really think it affects either of us, um, just based on international TV deals. But it, it does seem like AEW is really really hitting some momentum and really on the rise just big picture what is your view of where AEW is at right now um I think it's amazing actually how quickly they have grown I think they've done so incredibly well for themselves uh, with the tv deals that they've got and with this new third third hour show as well it's it's been pretty amazing you know the other day I watched a Double or Nothing 2019 and that was before Dynamite started, before they even had a champion. And it's it's been a very fast rise for them. And I'm very happy about that when it comes to the Rampage show. Um, I am excited for it. I just hope it's not too much because <laughs> I have major WWE you know, fatigue just from how much WWE there is. And I've always felt like, a big problem with WWE getting new fans, getting young fans is 
just how much of it there is. Because when I was a kid, you watch one show a week, you know what's happening. Now it's so, so, so much. But I think it's great how much AEW's grown. I think they've, they really deserve it. And I think that they have done a great job of offering an alternative. And I think when people, when people get like, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's a war that's that strong, but when people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all wrestling. It's all great. Yeah, it is. But they are truly presenting something different. I feel to WWE. I think they're presenting something a lot more, cool in a way and like a yeah. lot more youth driven and and stuff like that and i think that the more exposure they get more mainstream exposure as well the bigger they're going to grow and it's going to become a real representation of what wrestling is when wwe very soon probably ends up being owned by disney or something <laughs> <laughs> um yes no i i, I couldn't agree more like it, it feels like i'm not I'm not embarrassed watching it, you know, like it, it, they, yeah. they treat wrestling like it, it is a serious thing. And, and there isn't like, we all understand there is a staged aspect to this. Like they, they aren't really going out there and fighting. Like we, we, we all get it. We all know that this, the, the fix is in, but with <laughs> WWE, it's almost like they, they have to remind you of that sometimes with AEW. It's like, no, this is just a, a legitimate sporting competition at, at least how you see it anyway. Like I, I, I love the presentation that AEW provides. Absolutely. It's, it's so, so much more real than, than what WWE gives. And it's, I think it's something that people that don't know about wrestling could much easier latch on to. I think maybe one of their only problems is how people that don't watch wrestling feel about wrestling because of WWE. And they just kind of need to get over that. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the presentation of it, I mean, I've never ever in my life been embarrassed to like wrestling but you definitely talk to some people in life that have a pretty poor idea of wrestling and I'd much rather show them an edition of dynamite than an edition of raw yes yeah a hundred percent on that um last one for you um we 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 scheduled this time uh, around full disclosure around your your vaccine so obviously yeah. we are coming around to the end of this thing at least hopefully um in terms of how the, the wrestling scene out in the uk is being handled right now i know there was a ton of controversy last year and it was in the, the headlines for all the wrong reasons um but just the the, the uk wrestling scene in 2021 how has the, the pandemic treated things out there um, it's, that's a pretty hard one because the UK wrestling scene at the minute, it's in such a strange place. So we have RevPro that I do work for. And I mean, the, the news that broke this morning about WWE and New Japan, like that, that is not good news for RevPro. I'll just say that right. because, you know, we, we were partnering with uh, New Japan and guys coming over, but once the pandemic really winds down and you get back to like a fuller schedule of shows, uh, it's going to be hard because we're still not going to get the imports that fans are used to. And we kind of do have to rebuild the scene. And then we have the problem of what WWE has done to the UK scene uh, because they really have just, 
um, steamrolled over it completely, like <laughs> decimated the scene with um, Progress and ICW and all the talent that they've signed up before the pandemic and during the pandemic. So the British wrestling scene, it's going to be very, very hard. You know, you have WWE, NXT UK in there, and I that's not a product that I think is good at all. I think it's got really good talent, and I think that they can put on some very good matches, but I think it's badly presented and seems like an afterthought to everyone, whether it be the fans or the company. And it seems more like they've just hoarded a load of British wrestlers who are now stuck in the UK, um, probably not ever going to be able to fulfill their dreams of wrestling in North America because they're locked in these contracts. But yeah, it's hard, it's hard with the UK scene. I don't think there's much of it left and it's going to need a real rebuilding and I think as far as the fans there's a lot of fans that don't want to see any British wrestling at the minute either there's a lot of stuff to work out that I think the only way we can start to work it out is when stuff starts happening again and we start going to shows and seeing what it's like and what's changed and how the fans feel and you know what performers we have left really over here yeah well, and that was, I know I said last question, but apparently I lied. Because um, I, I think this is a fascinating topic because like the, the UK scene before NXT UK, like it was nuts. Like you guys with RevPro, so many good things going on. Like you look at some of the best matches that we've seen over the last few years, a lot of them feature at least someone who came from there. And like ICW, some of the stuff they were doing, it was must watch every single week. The atmosphere they created was so much fun. And progress felt like a, a legitimate, like, worldwide potentially company and then mm -hmm. nxt uk came in and it would be one thing if they came in got all that talent and then did something with them like very much kind of like the, the the 80s with the wwf where they they ransacked all these territories and created a, a national worldwide phenomenon it's like okay well that still kind of sucks but I, I see what you were doing but to to scoop up all of that talent and then not do a damn thing with it like it is it, it's infuriating seeing that from this side of the pond and for for you someone who's directly affected by that i can't imagine how frustrating that must be uh, absolutely and i think once the with the pandemic as well, like I'm never going to, you know, say that someone shouldn't have taken a, a job or whatever. But a lot of people signed, you know, when this pandemic was happening because they weren't making any money and then they got offered a contract. And I can totally see why someone would take that contract if you're not getting paid to wrestle and you're a wrestler and you want to wrestle. Um, so it's it's hard to say to people, you know, just sit tight because things you know things will get better right but i i think yeah they did take advantage of that situation and and sign up a lot of people there's a lot of people that were lost from revpro because of that and it's a sad thing and i think that a lot of them for their careers they're probably going to realize it wasn't the best idea because it does i think it limits your career in a way because as good as the UK scene is, I think wrestling in America is always an end goal. And if, you, if you're 25 and you send to NXT UK for five years, that's a lot of your time gone doing yeah. not much because they don't, they don't do much. Like maybe when the pandemic's over, we'll get UK high shows and stuff. I don't see that happening um, on a big scale because I don't think they ever sell very well anyway when they were doing that stuff. 
Yeah, no, it's it's frustrating. And I, I think one of the things that I'm really going to try to do is just like once once this is over and more of these promotions are, are out there, like it's just supporting some of them. I, and obviously you would agree with that, I would assume. Um, but uh, like just supporting more than just AEW and supporting more than just WWE and even more than just New Japan. Like there's so much great pro wrestling that is out there that hasn't been able to really been out there, be out there in the last 15 months that will, if all of these are able to get up and running again, there's so much good wrestling out there. Just support as much as you can, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like support, you know, what what good wrestling is happening more locally to you as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, once AEW really, really takes off, especially over here in the UK, because it hasn't, I think if there was no pandemic, it would be something in the UK. And it's really not um, at all because the the channel that they're on, it, other than fight, they're on Fight TV, but they're on ITV, one of our main channels. But it's the time can change week to week. And the time is like, way in the am you know they're, mm. they're not getting prime viewership but i imagine that if there hadn't been a pandemic they would have been able to get over here and a do a big show but be like do lots of promotion as well you know tv shows chat shows and everything um but i think it's when that happens when they're able to take off here it'll be even more important to you know support your local wrestling promotion so that we have just a great wrestling scene again so there you go, Stephanie Chase. Uh, her laptop died as we were having that conversation, so the, the ending might seem a little bit abrupt, but uh, either way, some really great stuff with her. Again, check her out on Digital Spy and Wrestle Talk TV, and eventually with Rev Pro. They, they do some really, really great stuff out there. Uh, so that is going to do it. By the way, she mentioned uh, reports of New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE in talks. I would certainly hate that. I, I, don't, I don't have any. Like, it, it would be neat for a little bit to see Kazuchika Okada come over to the WWE and it would be kind of cool to see uh, a Bobby Lashley or a Drew McIntyre or one of those, the Street Profits over at a Wrestle Kingdom. But I, I just, I feel like the, the possibilities are better with an AEW and potentially the utilization would be a little bit better with an AEW. So I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. And in, just in general, I kind of like having different people on, on different shows. I don't need to see all the time a, a mixture of everything. I, I think how AEW has utilized the New Japan relationship has been actually really good. Like, it, it again, it'd be cool to see some of the, those main guys over here. And, and I think how Ring of Honor handled it wasn't always as beneficial to Ring of Honor, but it was still kind of neat to see some of those types of things. So I... I hope that doesn't happen. I would like to see WWE kind of stay separate from everyone else, quite frankly. I, I I would not trust them to handle that situation with the respect that I think that situation would necessarily deserve. So that's going to do it for the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. We'll see what's going on Sunday after AEW's Double or Nothing, but uh, it should be a really, really fun show. Looking forward to it and looking forward to talking with you guys next week. Again, if you have any thoughts on the show, send them my way on social media. I am at Primetime Klein on Twitter and Instagram. YouTube, I am Primetime Klein 1, just the number one. 
twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. Check out their new song, Drowning, out now. You can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. If you haven't had enough of me, We Had No Idea, a general history podcast available wherever you got this podcast. It is out every Wednesday. This week, we talked about the Berlin Wall. It's been a fun week for you guys. My cat is moaning at the door. I gotta go. Talk to you guys on Monday. We're out. We'll be right back.